Gemara, Rosh Hashanah, Daf Chav Gimel. Masechet has been dedicated b'refua shlema shem'on ben simcha. El narifanado betoch she'ar chodei Yisrael. Amen. Today's Daf is being studied b'refua shlema chaya sara bat simcha. El narifanado betoch she'ar chodei amo Yisrael. Amen. We begin today's daf on Chabet Amud Bet, and we're going to start at the Mishnah on the bottom of the Amud. And we begin, Barishonah, initially, Hayu Masi'in Masu'ot. So they used to have a system of torches, that they would light torches, and that's the way they would let the people in the diaspora know when Rosh Chodesh was. And again, when the Mishnah will explain the system of relaying these torches. So Barishona Hayu Masi'in Masu'ot, Kutim, but the Kutim, they came along and they disrupted the process. And as a result, they had to make a different process. So they started it Then they would send out the the messengers. And that would be the new system. So the old system was the torch system, and then the new system was the Shiluchin. What was the system? How did they do this system of torches, relaying the message? So it says they would bring these long poles of uh, cedar wood. And on the top of it, they would take kanim's reeds, uh, is balsam wood, ne'orat shil is flax, and they would tie it on top of the pole with a string. They would go to the top of the mountain. And they would set it on fire. He would go up and down, actually back and forth, and then up and down. I mean, he would wave it. Until... The guy standing at the next mountain can see it. So that's a relay. And then he does the same thing. Which mountains did they use or which points did they use in order to relay these uh, fire messages? So it says, It started from which is Harazetim. The Sartaba. Sartaba is uh, the next location. Sartaba Ligrofina. And when they got to Baltin, they would not uh, leave from there. They would keep on waving the torch back and forth, up and down. Until he would see the entire diaspora light up in front of him like a bonfire. That doesn't mean the entire diaspora. It means the city that was closest to Bet Baltin that can see this fire, which was uh, Pompedita. And then from Pompedita, they would send out the different messengers in order to see the, uh, to understand the, when Rosh Chodesh was. Now, if we look at Rashi, Barishona, Bechavot. Right, you didn't need, you didn't, you didn't need a, a shaliyah system. Uh, you had a uh, the fire, the torch system. 
So that's what they did, these guys. The wise guys called the Kutim, they uh, made their own torch system when it wasn't Rosh Chodesh. Let's say Rosh Chodesh was going to be a Maleh. Let's say Rosh Chodesh was going to be on the 31st day. So they came along and they waved their torches on the 30th day. As a result, making Rosh Chodesh on, uh, on the wrong day. So they, they, started to, they started to use the torch system to trick us. So therefore we realize it's not fail-proof. And therefore we had to make a new system. Let me explain that. The, the Gemara is going to tell us that even during the torch uh, you know, relay system, they would only do it on a Chodesh Chaser. That means if the previous month was 29 days, the Edim would come on the 30th, so the 30th would be Rosh Chodesh. At the 30th at night, they would come and do Masu'ot. Everybody would know already the Chodesh was Haser, and therefore they know the 30th was Rosh Chodesh. And if they didn't do Masu'ot that night, automatically you knew that it's a Maleh. That's the way it was. They only did it on the Haser. So what did the, what did the, the Kutim or the, the uh, Kutim do exactly? That's she. Exactly. The rabbis decided to make an ibur, so they wanted to make the month 30 days, so the shkosh would not be until the 31st day. If that's the case, there's no torches that month, and the kutim made their own torches, and they faked out the people to let them think that the shkosh was on the day that was uh, that really wasn't. So what did they do? They started a system of shiluchin. Okay, close note. Okay. Long poles so they can be seen. These are just flammable items. That's why they would put that on top of the poles. Right, Midrat Esh meaning it looked like a bonfire. Gemara. Now the Gemara just has some semantics. How do you know the word Masi'in means to burn, to make a fire? Because it says, Barishona, you Masi'in Masu'ot. So Gemara says, Me'em Mashma. The Masi'in Lishna Dikodhu, that they're making a fire, Dikodhtiv, by David Amelik when he burnt the Avodazara. What does it say? Vayisa'im David, Vayanashav. And what does it mean, Vayisa'im? Umitargeminan, Vayukdinan David. Ukdinan meaning he burnt it. So you see the word Masi'im, uh, and that uh, verb is used for fire. Tanu Rabbanah. Now the Gemara is going to give us the system that they used to do. In Masi'in Masu'ot, El Alachodesh, Rir'ah, Bizmanot, Lekadesho. That they would make the torch system only for the, uh, the new moon that was seen in its time, which means a regular month, a 29-day month, and then you have the 30th day as Rosh Chodesh. On that day, meaning the night after the 30th, that's when they would send out the, the fires. Le'or means the evening following the Ibur, which means uh, they call the 30th day the Ibur day, because that's the day they can 
add to the month. So thir- day 30 is called Yom Ibud. That's the day if they want, they can, you know, add, add to the month. But the rule was that they only do Masu'ot when the 30th itself is Rosh Chodesh. And again, at the 30th at night, they would get the, the torture signals. And everybody would know it was a Chodesh Chased, which we'd call that a 29er. And 30 was Rosh Chodesh. So the Gemara says, Oh, the Memra, the Ahaser Avdinan, Amale, Lo Avdinam. So we see a rule over here that they only did it for Hasers. And they didn't do it for Male, for a full month, which means you didn't have to do it. Because once they knew already, they didn't see the fire on the night of the 30. So they knew automatically it must have not have been the Hasid. And no, day 31 must be Rosh Chodesh. That was the system that they chose, only to indicate. For one out of the two types of Rosh Chodesh, and I will have to ask, you know, why? why? Why was that? Why is that a logical system? Why not? Why not do the male and not the Hasid? Or why not do both? So why did they choose to do with that system? So the Gemara says, "My Tama, what's the reason for this?" Amar which means, let's say you have a Rosh Chodesh Hasid that falls out on a Friday, which means the thirtieth is a Friday. And Rosh Chodesh is going to be that day. Now, what would be the normal way to let the people know about it? Friday night, which is the night after the 30, that's when already you're going to have to uh, send out the uh, the torches. But you can't send it out on Friday night because it's not, you can't be Mahalil Shabbat for this item. So when's the earliest you're going to be able to uh, to send it out? So the Gemara says, Emat Avde, when are you going to be able to do this torch system? So it says, You're going to do it Motzei Shabbat. Oh, if you're going to say that we also did it on the Malay, what's going to happen when they do it on Saturday night? The people are going to think, oh, it's a Malay. They're going to think that Rosh Chodesh actually was Shabbat. And they're not going to know that Rosh Chodesh was on Friday. But now that they only know that you get these torches on the Hasid, they'll say, oh, really, it was a Hasid. They can't do it on Friday night. So they let us know on Saturday night. So that, that it's a safety Insurance against this case, so that the people will not get uh, make a mistake. So the Gemara says, So Amri, the people are going to come along and say, "What? They come they're going to see the torches on Saturday night." Amri, hi Haseru. They're going to say what? That really, it's a uh, it was a Haser. And that's one option they could say. Again, the Gemara is speaking out what the people could actually think think when this happens. One option is on Friday when they see the torches on on Saturday night, they'll say, "Oh, it was a hased." Really, the shodz was Friday. They couldn't do it on Friday night, so they had to give us the uh, signal on Saturday. Good, that's one option. But there's another option, or dilma, if they're doing it on both, or dilma malehu, or maybe they'll think maybe it's a maleh or bezmanohu. So therefore. If you're going to do it on both, in that case, they really won't know when Rosh Chodesh was. So therefore, how do you solve that problem? You do it only on the Hasers. So once they see Motzei Shabbat, there's a torch. They say, oh, it's got to be. And we know that Motzei Shabbat, that's the 31st day. So therefore, we say, oh, it must be Rosh Chodesh was on the 30th on Friday. They couldn't give us the signal on Friday night. And therefore, it'll be, uh, it'll be understood. So the Gebarat comes along and says... That uh, if that's the case, you didn't have to only do it the way they chose. If that if that's what you're trying to solve, that case of a chodesh chased that falls out on a Friday, meaning day thirty falls out on a Friday, the Gemara says ben ben So just do it on both. 
do it on a maleh and do it on a haseh. Now, v'chi miklar Rosh Chodesh be'erib Shabbat, same case, when Rosh Chodesh comes out on erib Shabbat, which means day 30, lo le'abid klal, which means don't do anything. Don't light torches at all in that case. V'chevan lo avdinan motza'eh Shabbat, since she didn't do it on motza'eh Shabbat, Ve'avdinan amaleh, and normally you do it on a maleh, midayyad'eh the haseru. They'll know it's a haser. It's very simple. Let's say, keep your custom, keep the rule that you should do it on both. Do it on a haser, do it on a maleh. That should be the rule. Ah, you tell me, oh, Rabbi, you can have, make a mistake, but what's going to happen when Rosh Chodesh is on a Friday? Beautiful. When Rosh Chodesh is on a Friday, so that's day 30, and what? And Shabbat was day 31? Don't do any torches on Saturday night, and then people will say, oh, they didn't do it like they normally do it on a maleh. Normally they do it on a maleh. If they don't do it on a maleh, what's the uh, people going to come to the conclusion? That must be, it's not a maleh, it must be it was on Friday. So they were, by doing it on both, there's still a way to protect that you're not going to make a mistake in the case where the Shodas falls out on a Friday. So the Gemara says, no, they're going to still make a mistake. Afilu achi atu why are they going to make a mistake? They didn't, they, you, you didn't do fires on Saturday night. No, Amri, hai malehu. Really, they're going to say, it could be it's a maleh. Ve'hai delo avde itnusehu de itnuseh. They'll say, oh, they probably had some circumstances that caused them not to do it. But really, it's a maleh. Which means, since they're always doing it on a maleh, so they'll say, they probably wanted to do it on Saturday night. They'll answer it up. And they'll say, oh, it's a maleh. And uh, therefore, they're going to they're gonna still make the mistake. But if they know that you never do it on a maleh by not doing it, so therefore, they'll be forced to say that it is a hased and the Rosh Chodesh was on Friday. Read the Rashi over here, uh, Rashi that says, the uh, itnuseh. <laughs> What's the honest here? And she has to answer a question. So why, why don't you always say that? That people will make a mistake on a Tuesday also. If you're doing it on a hased or maleh, so you can always make this mistake. Uh, they, they always say, oh, maybe maybe it's really a maleh and they just forgot to do it tonight. No, no, she's saying it's only a Saturday night item that they say this because they drink on Shabbat. So they're going to say, oh, everybody got drunk on Shabbat. Okay. That's why they didn't do it. So therefore, it's not going to solve anything by saying to do it, ben achaser, ben amaleh, because in a case where the Shkodesh comes out on a Friday, and you're not going to do it on Saturday night. We said, you won't do it on Saturday night. And you always do it. People say, oh, you didn't do it, so it's a hased. I said, no, on Saturday night they have an answer. They'll say, really, maybe it is a malem. The reason why they didn't do it is because of shikrut. So the Gebarah says, wait. If that's what you're trying to solve, we still have a fix. What's the fix? So only do it on malays then. And don't do it on and uh, on Hasid's at all. What's 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 the fix here, Rashi? Right. He says, listen, why don't you just say do it on the male and not on the Hasid? Now when Rosh Chodesh comes out on Friday, the same case, 30, and you didn't do it on, uh, on Motzei Shabbat, what are they going to say? They're going to say, They're going to say, must be it's a chaser. Why? Because 
which is we never make it on a chaser. So when it's a common practice that they don't do it on the chaser, so therefore the people are going to say, okay, this is another one of those type of uh, months over there. Which means when uh, when it's not such a common common practice, then the people will will answer it up. If they do it on ben chaser, ben amale, then the people can start answering it up that there was uh, something happened shichrut. But if the normal way is that they always do it on malez and they don't do it on chaser, so therefore when they see motzei shabbat that they didn't uh, do it, okay, they didn't do it because that's the way we always do it. We never do it on chaser. They'll, they'll answer it up very good. So why don't you say why, why don't you say that? So the Gemara comes along and says, "Amar Abaye, Mishum Bitul Melachal Am Sheneyamim." So the reason why they didn't chose or choose, I should say, to do it on Malez and not Hasez, because in the times that they used to celebrate Rosh Hashanah one day before we got to our time where we do it two days automatically, there was a time they did Rosh Hashanah one day. So if they're going to only do it on Malez, there'll come a case where let's say Rosh Hashanah really should have been on the second day, and they're going to come along and end up doing both days. So therefore, we don't want it to mevatel the am from melacha on two days. And she will tell us exactly how that's going to pan out, but that, that's the point. Odpam, if you're going to only do on Maleh and not Chaser, let's, let's say it was a Chaser month. Let's say Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Hashanah was on day 30. Beauty. And now they're going to have to keep day 30 anyway, the people, because they're not going to know. So day 30, automatically they're keeping. That's the first day of Rosh Hashanah. Now, 30 by night, they'll get the torches. Beauty. 31, they'll go to work. 31, they go to work. So therefore, they gain the day at work. Now, if you don't do the torches till day 31 by night, they got to hedge on both days. So therefore, you're causing them to always do two days of Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, you're battling them from a Menachah. So for that situation, they chose to do it on Friday, I'm sorry, Friday. They chose to do it on uh, Haser and not Maleh. Read Rashi. Rashi will say here, Amar Abaye Bishu Bitur Melacha. Below Gazin and Gezera. I amat na abed amale below a Haser. En lecha Rosh Hashanah she en me batelim beneha gola me melachash neyamin. Yom Shiloshim, Shemahayom Rosh Hashanah. Yom Shiloshim beachad, Shemahay Bruta Hodesh Vahayom Rosh Hashanah. Abal. Right, so that's it. So bottom line of Botai, we got the Gemara. The Gemara is basically saying they always did the Masu'ot uh, on a Chodesh Haser. Ah, you worried about the uh, uh, Friday night case? The Friday night case, the Gemara says, no, they're not going to be worried about a Friday night case. Because the people will, since they never uh, do it on a uh, on, on a male, they never do it on a male. Then the people are not going to attribute it to shichrut. But if they always do it on male, the people say, "Oh, they probably wanted to do it, but they got drunk." That's the way that she's learning it. But if they never do it on a male, then the people say, oh, "They don't do it on a male anyway." So why should they attribute it to getting drunk? They say they didn't do it. But if they're always doing it on a male, so they'll say they probably wanted to do it because they usually do it on a male, but they got drunk. So therefore, that's why they didn't do it. Uh, why don't you do it uh, 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 on a male, the Gebarah says. The Gebarah says, because if you can do it on a male, uh, although we fixed it, because we, we're not going to have a problem on a, on a, on a Friday Rosh Chodesh, you're going to have a problem with Bitul Melacha for Rosh Hashanah, two days. The Gebarah then says, Kesa Dayu Masi'in Masu'ot. Okay, how do they do this uh, torture system? If includes not. Amar of Yehuda. Now we move fast. Abutai. Arba arazimim. There's four types of cedars. Eres is a cedar. Eres 
katrom, et shemen, ubrosh. Okay, those are the four. Now the Gebra says, what are these trees? Katrom, what is katrom? Amarab, adera. That's called adera tree. Deber bishela amri, deber bishela said, mabliga. The amri la, and some say, zu gulmish. Ufliga adera baba ravuna. Why would the Rabbah Baruna say? The Rabbah Baruna, Amri Berav Asara Mine Arazim. There's actually ten types of Arazim. The Pasuk is only going to quote seven of them. We'll stay tuned for the final three. Chine Emar, here we are. Eten Bamidbar Erez, Shita, Hadas, Et Shemen, Asim Barava, Berosh, Tedhar, Utashur. Those are seven in the Pasuk. So the Gabbara says, Erez, what is Erez? Arza, that's the seed. Shita turnita, that's the pine. Hadas asa, that's the myrtle branch. Et shemen afarsema, that's the balsam. Drosh berata, boxwood. Tithar shaga, it's called fear. Teashur shurbina. So the Gemara says, Abhani Shiva, you said there's seven, but in the Pasuk we only listed seven. Kiatar abdimi amar, estrimo. Hosifu alehem alonim, almonim, and almugim. So what are these things over here? The Gemara says, Alonim Butme, that's the elm. Almonim Balute, that's the oak. Almugin Kasita, that's coral. Ikade Amri, Aronin, Armonin, Almugin. Now what are these items? Aronin Are, that's the laurel. Armonim Dulbe, that's chestnuts. Almugin Kasita, that's the coral. Now the Gemara is going to tell us a little about this precious item on the bottom of the sea called coral. The Gemara is going to say how they uh, mine it from the bottom of the sea. This is talking about over here that uh, when Mashiach comes there's going to be a big gush of water that's going to come from the Beit HaMikdash and it's going to be such a forceful water that even the big ships called Sea Adir is not going to be able to cross it. So the Gemara says, what is this big ship that they're talking about? Amarab Zuburni Gedola. It's referring to this big, large ship called Burni Gedola. And she gives you the name of it, uh, called Drumunz. Now, Heki Abdu, now how, what, would they, what would they use this ship for? So it says, unbelievable story. Maitu Shit Alfe Gabre Betresa Yerfe Shata. One version says they would bring 6,000 men for 12 months. Some say, 12,000 men, for six months. And they would fill the boat up with sand. Uh, and what would happen? The boat would settle to the bottom of the seabed. And then what would they do when the boat settles to the bottom? The divers would jump in. They would take ropes of flax and they would tie the coral to it. And then they would take the other side of the rope, and they would tie it to the boat. So now the boat is tied to the coral. And now what? They take the sand off the boat, and throw it off. What happens to the boat? The boat starts to float up now. When the boat starts to float up, because it has now less weight, it ends up pulling out the coral from the seabed as it's going up. And therefore, that's the system. It was very expensive, this coral. It was so valuable that one measure of coral, they can get two measures of silver. 
Parvata Havyan. There was three ports, basically, where they would mine this stuff. Tarte Be'arama'e, two of them are in the, by the, uh, uh, some say, Roma'e or Arama'e, the Romans or the Arameans. And one was what? The Be'parsa'e, in the Persian territory. The Be'arama'e Maskan Kasita. In the Aramean territory, they would bring up regular coral. The Be'parsa'e Maskan Marganiyata. In the Persian one, they would take up pearls. They would call it the port of the kingdom. That was the one that was in Paras. Amar of Yerushalayim. seems when the Guim came and conquered Yerushalayim, they destroyed all the pine trees. So it says that all those pine trees that they destroyed, Atid HaKadosh Baruch Hu Baruch is going to restore it. Shne'emar eten, which is future. Bamidbar, erez shita. I'm going to give you the cedar and the pine. Ve'en midbar. I'm going to put it in the desert. How do you know that's Yerushalayim? Where is Israel? So it says, ve'en midbar, ela Yerushalayim. How do we know the midbar is referring to Yerushalayim? Shne'emar, siyon midbar hayata. Siyon is obviously referring to Yerushalayim, and it refers to it as a midbar. Person studies a lot of Torah, but he doesn't then share it with others. It's like a beautiful hadas that has a good smell, but it's in the midbar. Nobody can enjoy it. So it's the same guy. This guy has a beautiful Torah, but nobody's able to enjoy his Torah. It's a waste. It's the opposite. Whoever teaches Torah, I'm sorry, whoever learns and teaches, let's say there's no other, other scholars in the town, so he takes the responsibility to teach people Torah. He's like a hadas in the midbar, the habib, because there's not too much stuff out there. So when the guy sees a hadas in the midbar, he says, wow, beautiful, nothing else out there. So then when there's nothing else out there in the community, and the guy says, you know, I'll, I'll start to teach Torah, he has that, uh, that benefit. Woe to the goyim that they persecuted the Jewish people. There's no takana. What they destroyed is irreplaceable. Okay, so they took the, the copper. We can, we, can, we can always exchange. Copper for better. We'll bring gold. Okay, instead of iron, avi kesef, or bring silver. Tata etzim, instead of the wood that they, they burned, the choshet, copper. Tata avani, barzel, instead of the wood, we can bring iron. So there's always a replacement for everything. However, unbelievable gemara. Tachat rabbi akiva v'chaverav, mayim mevi'in. How do you replace rabbi akiva and the asarah of gemal chud? What are you going to bring to replace them? Which means the guim killed the, the tzaddikim. You can't replace the tzaddikim. Therefore, the Gebarat comes along and says, that is an irreplaceable item. They murdered them brutally uh, for, for teaching Torah. Regarding that, it says, which means God says, I can forgive them, but I can't forgive them. I can forgive them for the other sins. But for what they did to the tzaddikim, that's unforgivable. If you go to the bottom of Rashi, v'nikiti damam lo nikiti, Right, which means 
we say Hashem Yimkom Edamam, that the blood is going to be avenged. Okay, we go back to the Mishnah. So it says, where did they do the Masu'ot? From They went from Harazetim, and then they went to Saltaba, et cetera, et cetera, all the way to a place called Bet Baltin. And for Bet Baltin, that's where the Pupedita people uh, saw it. So the Gebra says, my Bet Baltin. What is this place called Bet Baltin? So the Gebra says, Amarav Zubiram. That's referring to uh, Biram. I guess it's the... Uh, the border of Eretz Israel, you have to say. So it says, my Golan, that says the whole diaspora sword. Now obviously it cannot be the whole diaspora. The whole diaspora doesn't have a vantage from uh, the border of Eretz Israel. So it says, Amar of Yosef, Zupopedita. Okay, the city of Pupedita that was on the border. So the Gebarah says, my Kimidurat Ish, or Ha'ish, it says that the entire uh, diaspora was uh, uh, lit up like a bonfire. Now how? Just because they were waving a a, uh, a torch on Bet Baltin, why is that automatically cause the uh, Pumpedita to be lit up like a bonfire? Tana, each person would take a uh, um, a torch and wave it. Uh, so therefore, they would go up to the top of their roofs. So that that's why it looked like a bonfire. Everybody would recognize that they saw it. So they would start waving the you know waving the torches back. So it looked like the entire uh, uh, gola was lit up. Now we didn't mention it, but it's brought down that the reason why they had to wave it and the way they did it is so the people don't mistake in it for a shooting star because a, a, a meteor just goes you know in one direction. The fact that they did it up and down and across, so therefore they'll they'll know that it's a fire and not a star. That's the reason why they did it. The Brayta continues, Tanya, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Omer, Af Harim vechayar vegeder vechavroteha. So the Gemara now adds a couple of more mountains to this list over here. Harim, uh, Chayar, and Geder, and it's the companions they call it. Ashi, Hayu. Oh, so now the question is over here, is this what? Are these intervals between the mountains that we mentioned, meaning the same uh, lineup, or is this a different uh, road that they had? Which means that those were on the other side of Eretz Israel, they use these mountains. There's two basic uh, uh, roads, let's say, or paths to get to Bavel. So if you're on one side, you did the ones that the Mishnah said. If you're on the other side, you use these mountains. It's just a different path to get to the same destination. More Hashiv the Hagisa, or more Hashiv the Hagisa. Each rabbi was just giving, you know, the different side of Eretz Israel, which mountains they used to ultimately get to the same destination, which was Bavel. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Ben Kol Achat Ve'achat Parsaot. That what? Uh, between, Shemona Parsaot, between each one of these mountains, uh, I guess there was, what we said, there was five points from the Mishnah. So in between each one was eight parsaot. So the Gebra says, Kamu Havulu. So what, what is it? So it's really four uh, spaces. So the four spaces is eight times four. Telatin utvetarten. Thirty-two parsaot. So it seems that was the uh, distance from uh, the beginning to the end. So the Gebra says, is that true? Is is is, uh, is is that all it is? Um so let's say each parsa they're saying over is like three miles, between two and three miles, let's say. So therefore, we're saying that what? There was uh, 32 of them. 
So 32 is about 100 miles, let's say. So the Gemara is asking, it's not 100 miles from Eretz Yisrael, from Harazetim to Pumpedita. The Gemara says, we see it's much more. It's much more than that. How are you getting this shi'ud of 100 miles? Today the roads are obstructed, so you can't get there. That's why it takes longer. But in the olden days, when the roads were open, that's the way you take the shortcuts. <clears throat> you go through the mountains, or you go to wherever you go to, and that, that's how long it is. It's like, uh, you know, whenever you get to a certain place, if you have good roads, so it cuts right through. It takes shorter time to get there, but if you don't have the roads, so therefore it takes longer. And then Gemara says, how do you know that? It's a pasuk. I'm going to put thorns on your roads. Another pasuk says, he twisted my paths, which means the roads are going to be twisted in the sense that there's not going to be a chance to go in a straight road. Okay, now we go to the next Mishnah. Now the witnesses show up. So where do they go? So there was a big uh, courtyard in Yerushalayim. But the name of it was called Yazek. The Gemara actually is going to discuss the name of this Chasid. Uh, all the witnesses that would come and testify, they would gather uh, in this place. Now, obviously, we're talking about uh, the witnesses that arrived on uh, Shabbat. And Shabbat, that's where there was the holding place for these, uh, for these witnesses over here. Again, we're talking about people that traveled outside the tomb. So they had to put them in a certain spot over there, because once you travel outside the tomb... Okay, now you're there. You're limited, really, on where you could walk once you traveled outside your tomb. So they put them in this, you know, fenced place called Bet Yazek, and really they're only allowed to travel now or walk in Bet Yazek, because again, the rule is once you leave your tomb, you only get four amot. You only get four amot, so therefore technically they're uh, limited. But it's really more than four amot because you get to walk in a walled city, so in a, in a walled area you get the whole area. So they put them in this penned area called Bet Yazek. <laughs> and if they had left the tomb, they would be able to <coughs> at least walk through Bet Yazek on Shabbat. And if Farachim asked, you know, why wouldn't they be able to walk through the whole city of Yerushalayim? After all, Jerusalem had a wall on it. They should be able to walk the whole city. And they say, because it's talking about after the wall was breached. So therefore, it was not considered a wall. In any event, it says, Ulisham kol ubed din botkim otam sham. But they would examine them over there. It's an amazing thing. They would uh, 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 give them uh, incentives to come. What was the incentives to come? They would provide for them. So look at that. Nothing changes. Even in those days, <coughs> the witness knows that he's going to have a nice Saudah. Uh, if he's contemplating to go or not, the Saudah will put him over the uh, put him over the hill. Then we'll go uh, become the witness. But he like we just said, initially, the witnesses really couldn't move from Beit Yazek the whole day, based on the halachot of Tehomin. Once somebody leaves the tomb, okay, that had to leave the tomb, that was okay. But now once they got there, you're stuck in place. If somebody leaves the tomb, you only have four amot. So therefore, they couldn't leave Beit Yazek. What do you mean? But they could walk, they could walk in the whole Beit Yazek, because again, like I said, it was walled. They don't want to make them homebound now that they can't walk. 
So he gave them 2,000 amat to each direction, like a regular resident of the city. Why did he do that? Because otherwise, if you're going to tell them that you're going to be homebound and you can't move once you get here, they're not going to want to show up in the first place. So it's like, They made these leniencies not only for moon witnesses, but a midwife, let's say, that comes to deliver a new baby. If you're going to tell her, well, you're allowed to leave your tomb, of course. But once you get here, you're stuck, you can't move. She's not going to come in the first place. So they allowed her also to take 2,000 amma. Let's see how these rescuers, first responders, we would call them today, that are coming to save people from a fire or from uh, an army or a flooding river or collapsed building. They gave them also leniencies they could travel, meaning by foot, the whole city. Even though from the strict laws of Tehumin, they really don't have it. They only have four amot. If we allow them to come, we allow them to come. Once they're there, they should be stuck. But if you tell me you're stuck and you can't walk, they're not going to come in the first place. Let's have a dashi over here on the Mishnah. Haser Gedola. I guess the adults are able to, uh, to, 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 to deal with the overflowing river. The problem is the kids don't know how to swim and it's too strong for them. So there's people dying. So you need these rescuers to come along and save the kids from the overflowing river. Now the Gibraltar. Is, is this is Michila, is this the source for the Moshe Feinstein's Hetir for Hatala members to return? It's based on this, hundred percent. It's based on this. Uh, unfortunately, it can be it can be abused this uh, halacha. But uh, yes, the, if you're not going to let these guys come back, but by the way, uh, there's other solutions. Just make make more Hatzalah members in localized neighborhoods. And therefore you don't have to worry about a guy from Brooklyn getting stuck in Borough Park. Keep the guys in Borough Park. Let them have their own Hatzalah. And therefore you don't have to tell them it's to have this Heter. So if you could solve it without having to make a Halul Shabbat on the, on, on the way back, then, then of sure, then for sure it should be done. And that's what they actually did. Now they have it really in every community, so it's not so bad. Or make more volunteers. If you have more volunteers, uh the closer guy will be able to get there. So you don't have to worry about a guy getting stuck over there and having to drive back. But they try to minimize it. To their credit, they try to minimize this hetan and not, you know, take not, without compromising pikuah nefesh, obviously. Okay, Rabotai, some more semantics. What's the name of the uh, place that they would gather? Is it bet ya'azek with the ayin or is it bet yazek without the ayin? Well, what's the choices here? Bet ya'azek tenan. That's a nice word. Lishna me'eliyeh. It's a positive expression. Lichtiv. Vayazekehu vayasekelehu. That's referring to over there that vayazekehu. He put a fence around it, the field, and he took the stones away. And therefore, what's the analogy to, to this place over here? That bet uh, ya'azek was similar to that. It was uh, a place which was protected, that had a fence around it. So we called it Bet Yazek, like Bet Yazekehu. O Dilma Bet Yazek Tenan. Lishna de Tsa'arahu. Why? 
It's a it's an expression of discomfort. He was bound in chains. And I guess, what's the uh, discomfort over here? I guess the discomfort was that initially they weren't allowed to move when the people got there on Shabbat. So there was like a bet yazek, it's like you could find over there. So that's what they call it that. Well, you see that they made them big seudot. Nobody was trying to agonize the people that came for uh, testimony. After all, we said they made them big seudot. So therefore, it must be that it's not called yazek, meaning confined. They weren't confining them in the sense that they were trying to make it uncomfortable. They tried to make it actually comfortable for them. The Gibraltar says, what are you talking about? Maybe it's two things. Maybe, yeah, they gave them seudot, but they still agonized them in the sense that they couldn't move. So therefore, just because they gave them seudot does not mean that they weren't confined. So maybe it's still called yazek. So really have no proof from that. The seudot doesn't really let me know uh, whether it was called yazek or yazek. It could have been both. Rashi, seudot gedolot. Right. No, maybe they had sa'ad in one area and they had comfortability in a different area. Okay. Now we get to the uh, actual bidikot and hakirot, which means how did they interrogate the witnesses? That means they, don't just don't, they just don't accept testimony. When a witness comes, they don't say, okay, you know, whatever he says, they just believe him blindly. They have to interrogate him to make sure that he's telling the truth. Zug shebari shon botkim otori shon. So it's first come first serve. The first pair that arrives, they get examined first. Umachnisim et agadol shebahem. They bring the older one in uh, first over there. Uh, I guess obviously they would interrogate them separately. You don't want them to corroborate if they're going to be, uh, you know, uh, to get. Oh, that's how you can corroborate. You know, you one at a time, and you can see if there's any, uh, you know, uh, uh, falsehoods in, or discrepancies in what they're saying. Um, furthermore. They would always do the older witness uh, first. I guess that was uh, for kavod. Tell us how you saw the uh, the new moon. I mean, you're claiming you saw the new moon. Was it before the sun or was it uh, was it after the sun? What is this uh, uh, telling us over here? Uh, Rashi. Okay, so basically, basically the sun is traveling what? Uh, basically, it's going from east to west. That's the uh, moon's, uh, sun's uh, cycle, like we know. Okay, like we saw, like we saw, we said that in the 30th uh, day, um, it could only be seen really, it's got to have favorable conditions, we said, because there's a sliver of light on it, it's very, very, you know, little small light, so it's only seen when the sun is coming down, so the bright sun is not shining on the moon, so therefore you're able to see the brightness of the, of the moon, it says, like we learned earlier. Good. 
which means what? It's for natural. Did you see it? Right. Did you see the moon to the north of the sun? Or okay, that, 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 that's what we need to know at this point. Basically, they're going to see the moon in relation to the sun. So they want to know what side did you see it on. And based on their answer, they're going to be able to know if they're telling the truth or not, and they'll be able to corroborate. Continue. So the Gemara is going to say that this question that they ask is not an accurate question based on where the witnesses are going to be standing. So the Gemara is going to question, is it indeed the question, did you see it to the north or south, or is the question, did you see it to the east or the west? The Gemara will exactly make that analysis uh, very shortly. The Gemara then says, Kamahaya Gavoa. What does it mean, Kamahaya Gavoa? How high was it? Oh, that's she. Yeah, because sometimes it's just the moon is lower to the horizon, or sometimes it's higher. So if they want, so I give us an example. How high was it? Furthermore, which way was it pointing? What does it mean? Which way was it pointing? Right. I think they call that about the crescent. Which side is the is the crescent uh, uh, showing? Which is the points? Uh, is it uh, is it uh, facing south or west? So she's the is it like this or is it is, is the other way? This way or is it this way? Like that she's showing in the uh, in the pictures over there. Okay, Veharka. I'm sorry. Rahav. And how wide was it? She says, how wide did it look? Im Amar Amar so if they said they saw it before the sun, so therefore the testimony is right away dismissed. We'll see exactly why. Then they bring the second witness. Now, if we see that they're coming to say the same testimony, they're in agreement. That's it, we have witnesses. Then the rest of the witnesses, they really should dismiss them. We, we have our two witnesses. But they ask him, you know, questions. They ask him, uh, you know, uh, the main uh, points. Not that we really need them. Again, we established the testimony of the first two witnesses. We don't want them to leave disappointed. We walked all the way here to Jerusalem. We got here. And now uh, they don't even need us. They don't even uh, give us the time of day. We want them to be accustomed to come the next time. But if you're not going to even pay attention to them, they're not going to come. Okay. Very good. Okay. Now let's start the Gemara. What I begins. Hainu lefnei hama, hainu lesfona. The Mishnah said that one of the questions that they ask uh, the witnesses, did you see it before the sun or, or did you see it after? 
Later on, we said, did you see it to the north of the sun or the south? Now, the Chaurah, the Gemara is assuming that that's really the same question, just asked in a different way. So the Gemara says, Isn't that the same question? So the Gemara says, No, no, no. The second question that they asked, the uh, uh, north and south, or the first question, or the first question they were asking was uh, uh, the they're calling it the uh, 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 yeah, like we said, the crescent, the 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 the, the place, the part of the moon that's indented. Let's say here's, here's the, let's say the moon is like is this here, right? So it's a, it's the, and this is the indented part, the inside of it. So which which part is that facing? Is that facing lefner hama or is it facing ahara hama? So if the first question was not the actual position of the of the of the actual uh, 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 sun, like we or the moon, did it, was it before sunset or to the east of it or to the west of it? Not because discussing the, the the indentation of the moon. To what side was it? Uh, if they say it was uh, facing the sun, lo amar kelum. They're saying nothing. Why? The Amar of Yohanan dichtiv hamshel ufachad emo osay shalom bebromav, which means what? Me'olam lor atachama pigimata shel levana. That Borei Olam made it that the uh, uh, the sun will never see that area, that side of the moon. Velo shel keshet, and not either the pigima, the indentation of the rainbow. Uh, wow, <laughs> I guess the moon, uh, it's embarrassed that it has that side of it, because that's the dark side of it, so therefore if the sun is going to see, or the pigima side of it, the, the indentation part of it, it's going to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's going to hurt its feelings. So that's what the Pesuch says, Oseh Shalom and Romav. Pegimatashel Keshet, Delo Limru, Ovdeh, uh, uh, and the reason why the sun does not see the uh, the, uh, the indentation of the rainbow, <coughs> because then it'll cause the of the hama, the people that worship the sun. What are they going to say? They're going to say the sun is shooting arrows uh, at those that deny it. Read Rashi. Right, when you when you're when you're holding a keshet a bow, the indentation part is facing you. Right? The concave part is facing you, and then you put the arrow on it and you shoot. So therefore, uh it's gonna it'll look like as if um that the sun is shooting arrows, uh, and therefore we don't want the Avodah Zarah to see it as if the sun is, you know, protecting itself from all the people that uh, that uh, don't uh, worship it. So therefore, it's it's the reverse way. So therefore, it doesn't look like the sun is using the the uh, bow, the rainbow, as a you know as a weapon. So if it's facing the other way, that's not the normal way you would hold a uh, a bow. So therefore, that that would take care of that. Now let's we have a couple of minutes here. Let's just read, uh, there is a, a few uh, notes over here that are kedai to read just to get some clarity on this, 
On this subject, I'm just reading note number 37, if you want to read it in the article English. The Mishnah stated that in order to test the witnesses, the Betin asked them two questions. Uh, question one, was the moon before, meaning ahead of the sun, or behind it? Question two, was the moon sighted to the north of the setting sun or to the south? Now, as explained, the new moon witnesses can see the new moon only in late afternoon, as we learned it, as it trails the setting sun, that is angling towards the north. Accordingly, after the setting sun is the same as to the south, and before the setting sun is the same as to the north. What is the purpose of two identical questions? Then he says the new moon appears as a thin crescent. Since the moon is really round, its, concave, its concave, concavity uh, is called its indentation. For that is where the moon seems to be indented. Correct, you don't see that part. According to Abayir, the question asked of the witnesses was whether the concavity of the moon was facing the sun. You see the picture of that. Or was it facing away from the sun? Okay, very good. In fact, in actual fact, at any moment, half of the moon's surface is illuminated by the sun. However, due to the observer's position on Earth, not all of the lighted part is visible. At times, none is visible, as we know. And at uh, times, uh, there's another picture. We see it's, it's the... Uh, concavity is actually facing away from the sun. So therefore, um, the Gemara says, you know if they answer one of these questions, if they're telling the truth or not. Both a rainbow and the moon receive their light from the sun, thus their unlighted part always faces away from the sun. That's it. Accordingly, the Yohanan states that the sun has never seen who never faced the concavity of the moon or the rainbow, like we explained. Okay, Rabotai, we will stop over here. Baruch Adonai, Amen, Amen.